why you should never let Dan improvise. What is going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Adam Johnson. Yes, and from here in a very tightly scripted corner of North Carolina, Dan Ray. How did I get in this nutshell? What kind <laughs> of nut makes a shell like this? <laughs> Welcome so, to my store. Thank you for coming in. Yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, sell doors? No. No. Anyway, that's a that's a ghost BBC reference. Uh, for any of you who are not uh, members of the Patreon, we were having a offline conversation that spilled online, and that's how we ended up here. <laughs> sometimes we get a running start, and that's uh, that you are subjected to the you know. Sometimes we stick the landing of our running start, and other times less so. We do not. Uh, all of that said, uh, Mrs. Lincoln, how was your week? My week was good. Uh, did a trivia last night. It was classic rock, so back in my wheelhouse, and it was a good time. Yeah. And um, continuing to have weekly um, uh, rehearsals that are very exploratory and creative and fun with the new uh, the new project. And uh, so, yeah, everything's great. Everything's great. Awesome. How about you? Well, let's see. Um, last weekend, I was on a scout trip uh, skiing. and. Yeah. Uh, I made it back with uh, all my digits and no broken bones. Excellent. And, uh, that was a a good time. I hadn't skied in a long time, and I, I love it. And uh, it was good to do that and just kind of focus on uh, being a dad. And then on Wednesday, uh, yesterday, um, from recording this, uh, we did the uh, the thing with Warped, the the pop punk thing, and Killcliff, the energy drink. Mm. So we went and. Um, went over to like their marketing director's house. He's got a full sports bar in his basement nice. along with a full production studio, including like one of those like green infinity wall things. Wow. And there's PTZ cameras in, like all over the place and like giant TVs. And I, I, I shared the photo in the, in the Patreon and in, in my, um, on my Instagram story of the setup down there. It was bananas. So we basically rolled in with, uh, with our front of house kind of in-ear rig off to the side. we, we put we set up live drums and then used our normal direct deals, and it started off like we were going to do four songs in like multiple configurations. There was a thought about us breaking up into different rooms and then like them running like a handheld cameras in between them and that kind of thing. That all kind of fell apart. The it, what ended up happening is we played two songs like seven times each and um, multiple passes with like different camera angles and that kind of thing. And the the raw footage looked awesome mm. um i but we're just gonna have to see how they end up using it um but they seem really really stoked and they were very impressed with the fact that we like set up really quickly and like we're pretty low maintenance uh so we're we have either proven to them that this is a feasible option or we have like ruined it for any <laughs> other band that tries to do it so it's good to keep the bar high you know you gotta yeah you know uh... Uh, and, and I got a, I got a free case of kill cliff. Uh, this is the 25 milligram CBD strawberry deal and it is delicious I, and it's I got will, CBD in it. So I I'm feeling pretty well. our chances of them, uh, sponsoring the podcast by saying I've never heard of it before now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm only familiar with them because, uh, of CrossFit. They're very uh, much in that whole kind of CrossFit gotcha. I'm, area, I'm not. but the whole, yeah, the whole appeal though, is that they're trying to broaden their you know their market share ah, so so they just brought it by one a, he's over here yeah so yeah it 
like I said, it, it, as soon as you guys, as soon as we know what it's going to look like and how it's going to be distributed, I mean, you guys will know. So yeah, it's exciting. It'd be fun. Um, in other content news, uh, got a video coming out on the YouTube's about uh, what musicians can learn uh, from the this year's Super Bowl uh, halftime show, and then I made this crazy conspiracy theory video about um, parallel thinking in songwriting, in with a specific example of "Skater Boy" by Avril Lavigne. Hmm. Uh, it 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 was like a it's like it's literally like a two minute Pepe Sylvia video where I'm like trying to connect a bunch of like disparate lines together, but it all it, it did I did, I was able to at least land the plane to some degree, but it did take me half the day to make so trade offs. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's all the main housekeeping stuff. Yeah, I, I suppose. House like so kept. we were gonna. So what's next? We got to talk what. Well, there's a little bit of a little bit of gear thinking that I'd like to share. Well, we got yeah. So we've got we've got news, a little bit of sort news. of like current event things, kind of. And we've got gear, yep, and then we've got more current event stuff, kind of. Yeah. Should so we, which, where should we start? Let's start with news. Okay, so this is one that you brought to my attention. I'd actually, um, I'd seen the source material, but I've I've definitely seen a lot of articles being. Uh, bandied about uh around it so why don't you uh why don't you kick it off so i'm gonna just start by saying i um love dave Grohl very much um Mm -hmm. uh, very much you know in some ways an idol um he was on uh howard stern yes um recently i don't know the article started hitting today so it must have been Mm -hmm. the last day or two um and one of the things he said in this interview on howard stern is first of all um, I am losing my hearing. I'm clear about that. I want, don't want to get tested because I know they'll tell me that my hearing is going. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll come back to that. Uh, the other thing that he said was, I don't want to use, I don't use in-ears. I don't use in-ears. I don't use in-ears. Period. Period. Yeah. Don't. Won't. Um, and, and the reason he gave was because he doesn't want to look like a praying mantis. Yep. Because he just wants to get can, among, go, um, wants, among other, yeah, things. just wants to go wild. He just wants to be free. He doesn't want to be like attached to stuff. Wants to run around like a madman on stage, which is his shtick, and you know, does it? He does it well. Um, I, I think the real reason that he he said was is that he, he doesn't want to feel detached from the immediacy of the environment, and that is the, that is the core complaint that people have about in ears. I'll, I'll for sure give yes. you that. That, and he said his his ear anatomy is such that it's hard to find universals for and there's a really easy fix for that that he could surely afford um, yeah that seemed like a really bad i don't think reason. that's a good reason um anyway you know as much as i'd say everybody should try and be like dave Grohl in many many ways this is a way you should not try and be like dave Grohl. don't emulate Agreed. this one um because frankly the like in any way you are experiencing a health problem and you know it and you're 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 unwilling to get it looked at by someone who could help because you know what they're going to say. Like, yeah, that's just not, that's not healthy behavior. Um, that's not grown up behavior. Um, well, it, it's, it's also very much a, it doesn't change the reality of the situation. It just changes your awareness around it. Well, with hearing, that's certainly true. I mean, hearing, there's no healing hearing. Yep. So, um, but there, there are interventions that can be done, but if you don't want those interventions, if you don't want a doctor to, bring to the fore the need for those interventions. The way to avoid that is to avoid medical care. Um, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I have an uncle who, um, 
quite literally died of cancer with that same attitude. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, it kind of, it gets my attention when somebody's like, oh, I know what they're going to tell me. Like, well, all right. <laughs> You're going to do yeah. anything about that? And? Or, yeah. Like, is that yeah. the end of the story? Um, and it can be. It can be. Yeah. Um, so that's not, that's not terrific. And then, you know, I think, I think, um, you and I've certainly talked about the way that, uh, a variety of ways that you can have the in-ear experience not feel isolating. You know, there are ways mm-hmm. to run mics from the, from the room into your mix, or there, there are in-ears that have ports or mics, or there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, yeah. Um, and the other, you know, f- for me, like I haven't implemented any of those things. I go full isolation and, um, after not very long, I got quite comfortable with that. And I knew that I was, um, in an isolated audio environment, but that didn't isolate my presence in the room. Right. Right. I could still emote and I could still interact and all of that, even though a person trying to say something to me is going to have a hard time. Um, mm-hmm. And I did all that at a very reasonable audio level that did not leave my head hurting or ears ringing at the end of the night. It was just a much better experience. Um, so I don't know. I just felt like that was worth saying, like, love Dave, but uh, boy, I, I don't I don't like what he's doing to himself there. Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts around this. Um, the first one being that it is kind of an interesting situation because generationally where he is in his in, in age, he had already like been a professional like yeah big yeah stage like full-blown musician for a decade 20 years before these things became like ubiquitous and prevalent and i would also assert that they probably weren't great yeah when he finally when he did try i there's a there's a story in his book where he was um He's playing a song and had to be like linked in with like a, um, an orchestra for right. like the Oscars or something and was forced to wear one because it's like, li- there's literally no other way that this can be done. So, um, it's not that he's never used them. I think he's just like, again, he probably tried it and it didn't work great because, you know, in-ear monitors weren't as good as they are now, right. uh, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Uh, but now they're really, really good. Um, and like we know the end game for this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you, for, for everybody who's like, yeah, I don't really want to know. There's guys like Brian Johnson who literally had to stop touring because if he didn't, he was going to go completely deaf. And then you've got guys like uh, Roger Daltrey and the uh, uh, Pete Townsend who do use inner monitors, but are literally like running them hotter than any human being should be subjected to because they spent, uh, 40 years without them uh, just completely destroying their hearing. And look, I'm not always the uh, the best uh, in-ear or monitor person, and I definitely run... I, I, I am very guilty of running my in-ears hotter than they probably should be. Um, but I still have to think that my hearing intervention in my early to mid-20s and switching over to in-ears had to have saved my ears and my hearing significantly totally that even the unfortunate trauma i'm probably still subjecting my hearing to is not as severe yeah is i guess the yeah the, the best thing i can i can say about that yeah 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 and you know you you 
<laughs> I've found in-ears to be very um, self-correcting about that sort of thing. When it's too loud, I know it immediately. Um, yep. Or if I don't know it immediately, I know it at the end of the night. And uh, and it's really easy to dial in a comfortable level. I've found it, uh, you know, I'm very rarely, you know, surprised by what comes out of them. So anyway, just wanted to, that article hit today and we thought, um, just worth talking about. Yep. Agreed. Try and do, try and be nice to your ears. You, you do only have one set yep. and uh, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the whole way that you get to do what you do at all. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Kind of important. Yeah. All right. Moving from Grohl, let's talk about gear. Gear. Gear to Grohl to gear. Grohl to gear. Changing gears into gear. Let's see what I've done. Mm-hmm. So I've had a I've had a um um a couple of ideas that I've shared on the pod in the last few weeks. And and um yep. you know, the the idea recently was I'm I'm rehearsing and gonna be gigging with the quad cortex, which is smaller than yep. a helix LT that I had before, but still chunky. And a very large, well, it's not that large, but it feels large to me now, uh, vocal effects pedal from TC Helicon. So I've been scaling down, sizing down, and then I added a new wireless and I got three things in front of me. And I was like, okay, three is my limit. I'm going to put them on a pedal board. Yep. Um, I found a great thing um, that you should know about, pedalplayground.com. And it's pretty cool. It has a whole library of pedals and boards and stuff, and you can lay out your uh, your, your board, however you want it. And you can load it up with all the right little images of all the right little pedals that you own and, and then make custom mm-hmm. pedals for things that, that it doesn't know about. It's pretty nice. And so I did a layout that was my quad cortex, my new TC Helicon voice live play GTX. Um, and then some things that have been on my old pedal board that I haven't been using cause I haven't had a pedal board. So uh, the Digitech yep. Freakout, um, uh, an expression pedal and the new, oh, new, um, Mod Dwarf, which is a keyboard um, sound generator box yeah, that yeah, I can yeah. use the finally use the the Alesis Vortex Wireless keytar. Yeah, I actually get that into the mix all on one board. Super cool. Except that when I started actually putting them on the board that I have, which is a, a Pedal Train Twenty Four, um, it was just too tight. It was just too tight. There's no mm-hmm. room for the cables. It was just it was just too tight. And then I started thinking, you know, most of my gigging life these days right now is acoustic and I don't need all mm-hmm. of that stuff for acoustic. I just need like the vocal pedal. And look, if I had the wireless on there too, that'd be neat. I'd probably always use it. And, um, oh, and by the way, the Bluetooth page turner pedal that needs to be on there. Oh gosh. And you know, I got mm-hmm. a really good TC electronic polytune. I really love that. That ought to be on there. And you know, what would also be great is I got a, a little, uh, a USB powered, um, double a battery charger that boy, if I just had that on my board and I was just constantly charging batteries and having fresh batteries ready at hand, that'd be, so, you know, so you can see my thinking has started to expand as it always does when I think about these things. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is I would call a full blown saga at this point. Cause is, like we're three weeks into this, like into this journey and it is ever evolving. Yeah. I'd it's say. a saga. It's an Epic. It's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 you know, somewhere between Gilgamesh and Odysseus at this point. Um, so here's the current thinking. I'm just going to get myself a 20 inch pedal train, a pedal train Novo 20, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a one, one unit deep, 20 inch wide thing just for acoustic. And I'll run the guitar through out of the, vocal pedal and across to a separate board that I'll include for electric gigs. So it'll be slim when I want it and I can bolt on the electric stuff when I need it. And I think it'll be much easier to transport and much easier to work with. So the plan now is two boards. 
Yeah. So, so like an acoustic main board and then an electric like sidecar. Yeah. Although the sidecar is going to be bigger than the main board. Yeah. Because the, well. the quad cortex is larger and I'm going to get, um, um, I need a new, my expression pedal was starting to die. So I'm going to get a, a new and better expression pedal. Uh, one of the mission electronics expression mm-hmm. panels. Oh, oh, and then I can also bring back on my, um, Morningstar MC6, uh, MIDI pedal and reprogram that for all this new gear. I mean, like, I'm starting to be, now fortunately, I went through all the acquisition of this stuff. All the gear acquisition syndrome is from a few years ago. So I have all these right. things on pedal boards have been leaning against the wall in my rehearsal room ever since I went to the Helix. So I'm not actually buying that much new stuff. Um, but I'm reconfiguring for sure and thinking through how yeah. to power these things and all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, my, my whole situation was, yeah, I went from a, the, the pedal train PT three pro, which uh-huh. is a 36 inch yes. or 40 inch the monster massive massive um it's literally sitting in the corner i can see it it's it, but it's empty mm. the only thing on there now is my vp my uh vp junior volume pedal because i have no use for it right this second mm. um but i got that that curved uh on stage just little mm-hmm. 20 inch deal and it's perfect for what I'm using it for. The, the only thing that I have, I have debated on is having, like you were saying, like a, an acoustic set and an electric set. Really the only thing though, between as far as the differences between those two is that I'm either putting a wireless for like electric gigs or I'm putting the voice live on. The cool thing is, is that with our barefoot effects power supply, um, the extra port on it powers either of them. Mm -hmm. So I literally just, you know, I get a little spudger and like disconnect all the hook and loop and just replace it with the other unit. And then I'll use it until I have to swap it back. So you reconfigure your board for the gig. Yeah. But I mean, it's literally like I'm taking one thing off and putting, replacing it with one other thing. It's yeah. not, it's yeah. not super labor intensive. Yeah. I, you know, a, a year ago we were talking about the, um, the uh, HX Stomp XL, and I still think that's a great option. And if I were to do what you're doing, I would basically get two of the exact same board, mm-hmm. and I would have the regular Stomp and the Voice Live on uh, one board for acoustic things, and then I would have the uh, Stomp XL and the Shure uh, GLXD wireless on the other one. Yep. And yep. that's pretty much it. Yep. Yep. But you know it, that's a that's a nice to have. It's not a need for sure. And you know my hope is that at some point you know they add more DSP to those units and it can do a bit more. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. It's not like I need more. I I, I don't. Right. It would be nice to have more more buttons. And, yeah. And that kind of thing. And yeah. No, we like buttons. And I made it this far. We like buttons. That's that's crucial. Oh, on another note, talking about gear, uh, Line Six did uh, re- release a new a new set of amps. The Catalyst. Yeah, the catalyst is an interesting idea. Like you look at it and it's like, where the, what are they going for? Because it's it it's very in the line of the spider amps mm-hmm. as far as feature set goes, yeah. but um in the in the sense that it's like their simplified interface and um you know limited selection of amp models and that kind of thing but it's all hx but tech, it does, so it's coming from the helix yeah. helix world so it's high quality yeah stuff. so the brain the brain and the guts are are, are helix based yeah. and i really like the look of the app for like bringing mm. the effects onto it yeah. and being able to tweak them 
What it feels like to me is that they are going after the boss katana Mm -hmm. market. So you can basically now buy a line six boss katana. Yeah. It's very much that. And it's also in that price point. That's right. And and there's it's sort of like two ninety nine. Like three sizes of it, right? Yep. Yeah. There's a one twelve, uh two twelve in uh, something else. Something. It's like a thirty, a sixty, and a one hundred. Right. Or like a thirty, one hundred, two hundred or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's clearly aimed at people who, you know, um they they're they've been amp players and but they're maybe jealous of my, my you know the emulation world and want to yep. get a foot into that um i don't know it seemed boscatan has always felt like me like um sort of entry level sort of kit i mean i know there's some people who play them professionally but this seems yeah, like I've a got, little i've got a couple end. friends who love them really who, who yeah. have them and just like are, are just enamored with right. with that whole world so sure. um my only thing, the only thing that I feel like it could have had that would make it more appealing to a person like me uh, would be if you could load IRs into the DI output. Hmm. That would be something where I was, I would be like, okay, like, you know, because I, there's definitely like times where I would just love to be able to sit around in my spot and just like plug into something and play and it sound, you know, the way that, all my other stuff sounds. Right. I mean, it's not, I, I, I crank these amps up every now and then just to, just to feel some, some air moving. But, um, but yeah, it, w- it would be cool to have that. I, I, I've definitely looked at like the, um, uh, what is it? The, the spark, the mm-hmm. one that's made by, yep. um, um, can't think of the name of positive over, grid. It's positive you know, grid is who that positive is. Positive grid. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's going to kill me. Um, it would be cool to have something like that that would sit on a desk and you could just crank out. Yeah. They, they don't really have that form factor in this new Line right. 6 deal, but right. it would be pretty cool if they did. It would. So, yeah. That's um, all the gear I know about. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen anything. There, <laughs> there was a whole uh, blow up on, on TikTok and YouTube um, about this slice of pie distortion pedal. I don't know if you saw anything about this. No. Well, it's a is it's from I think the the gear page guys and they built a they built a pizza a slice of pizza slice shaped distortion pedal and it looks like a slice of pizza and it comes in a pizza box and it's very like brand new whatever yeah and a lot of the uh, the pedally influencery uh, folks got them and got to do reviews of them and uh, it, they've been kind of making the rounds but I don't know anything about them other than it's shaped like pizza and makes fuzzy noises. So, you know, uh, I like the branding say that. Yeah. I mean, every, you, you gotta have an angle. Literally it's the an angle of pie. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's the, that's the gear section. Yeah. Uh, Topic two down. Boom. We're just knocking them out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this is going to be another one of those, scenarios where we're kind of uh stealing from uh youtube to give to the podcast but it's a uh, it's the conversation i i'm having with uh, with the youtube video this week which is uh impressions of this year's super bowl halftime show and what we as uh, musicians and entertainers can take from it yeah so first off 
What did you think? Well, um, I don't, I don't have access to live TV here in this house. Uh, we're hundred percent mm-hmm. streaming. So I did not watch it live. I have seen clips, uh, but I haven't watched the whole show, um, yet, but certainly the reaction was, um, you know, predictable, predictably, predictably, um, split. Um, I think that probably I would think it was an amazing show. I, the, the clips I saw were pretty cool. Um, so what did you think? Yeah. So, uh, I loved it mm. and it, it, it was, it was interesting to, well, a, a couple of things kind of, uh, jumped out at me. One, I was, I'm always entertained by the way that they creatively, uh, not swear <laughs> on things. <laughs> that part's fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all the songs they did were amazing and, and definitely ones that I knew and, it was interesting to see like the way that my son reacted to, you know, his parents rapping along to all of these songs. And then it also struck me like, you know, we're, we're like so blown away that this is like a fresh new take on things. And I was like, these songs are 30 years old. Right. I was like, God, that sucks. But the, the thing that I was really, interested in was one there was a lot of live instrumentation even though they were playing to tracks mm-hmm. and there was a lot of you know lip syncing or whatever you want to call it but like they went they made sure that there was like actual like live instrumentation uh there were these really cool uh like interstitials and interludes in between songs and as they kind of like moved around this crazy set piece um the other thing was like when Eminem started his, his band was on there and uh, his bass player uh, is, was the music director for the, for the halftime show. So he was in charge of all the arrangements and all that. Anderson Pack was there, mm-hmm. uh, which is always cool, but yeah, the, the uh, it, it kind of, it kind of, I feel like we hear a lot of stuff about how rap is, is killing live bands and that kind of thing. And I was like, well, they used a live band yeah. for this, all this rap stuff. So yeah. maybe, maybe, um, you guys are speaking a little prematurely on the death of live music. Um, and then the last thing was this year felt like the first year where I was 100% the target market mm. for the everything. Yeah. The commercials, the music, like everything was like pinpoint laser focused on those of us who were in high school and college in the late nineties, early two thousands. And it, and it, it felt like a dramatic shift. It felt like I could have sworn, you know, a couple of years ago, they were trying to make sure that like guys, my dad's age, age watched it. <laughs> right now, granted, we're going to do our best to not step in anything, but like there was a particular sentiment where a certain portion of the population was like, we're not, going to engage with the NFL anymore. And I think the NFL took that to heart and they said, okay, well, we're just going to stop trying to market to you then. Yeah. And if they want to continue to uh, keep people uh, watching their games and consuming their entertainment and the stuff that they're putting out, they need to change focus on who they're marketing towards. Right. And so that part was really interesting to me where I was like, oh, like I, I'm it now. Yeah. And there's so many things where I feel like I'm not it anymore. Like I, there, there are certain parts of uh, popular culture where I am very much not 
the target demo anymore. But this one felt like a bunch of really like profitable big corporations were trying to get my dollars for so, a change. So hang on, so let me just I just gotta unpack that. So you feel like you're past your prime on a lot of things, but you've just come into your prime when it comes to football. Well, I think the kind of corporations that market their stuff on football mm. are looking for like they're looking at this age kind of demographic yeah. now more yeah. than they were, you know, let's say five years ago. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, you know, interpolating that realization into what it is that we do is that this kind of, from it felt different for me. Like I, I felt like I felt heard and understood in mm. a way <laughs> that like, I'm not accustomed to. It's good. And I have to think that there were a lot of, guys my age, you know, in their, you know, pushing 40 or in their early 40s that were like, oh, wow, I really enjoyed that. It made yeah. me feel away. Yeah. And how we as entertainers should look at those kinds of things and take them seriously and try to apply them to uh, what it is that we do. You know, we talk a lot about branding and marketing and uh, we also talk a lot about song selection and the way that we present ourselves in all of those things. And I think that looking at a presentation or a television broadcast where it was so well executed and it was so specific and it was so targeted mm -hmm. that we, we should be looking to do those kinds of things as well. So from my standpoint, I started an 80s band and I started an 80s band uh, about 10 years ago because my goal was to play private parties for rich folks in their 40s and 50s. Well, now those guys are into their 60s right. and it's starting to feel like now I mean 80s music is is still pretty ubiquitous and with popular culture kind of like rehashing things like it it, it is very much a thing where like we can play uh, a a public date at a venue and you know young people will come out because they do like that music. But I think for a lot of people who are like, I don't know how we should, I want to get into this kind of work, but I'm not sure what the concept should be. And I think it very plainly, the this year's Super Bowl halftime show illustrated that like 90s and early 2000s is a very viable and potentially underserved hmm. market share. Do you have any thoughts about that? No, I think, I think you're right. I think that um, um, I would wager that the number of 90s bands is totally dwarfed by the number of 80s bands i could i would say potentially but i feel like i'm seeing i'm seeing that chasm kind of narrow yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense um you know there's a there's a thing about nostalgia trailing 30 years behind the current times mm -hmm. um so, you know, that, that would be the, that would be the trailing edge of that. We'd be just catching that period as, you right. know, people, people who were in their early teens and whatnot in that period kind of come into disposable income and yep. a babysitter and a night out and wanting to do something. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. I think there's a, I think there's a real market for that sort of thing as you, as you, um, strategize 
what nostalgia you're going to go weaponize. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the other thing is that because the, the, the nineties is such a wide swath. I think it's, it is important to like consider what lane you want to populate. I feel like there's a lot of like dude bro bands who just want to kind of play like the grunge stuff and kind of like stay in that alternative Mm -hmm. rock lane. And I feel like that's not, the best option if this kind of market share is what you're looking for. And I think those who are willing to um, open up their, uh, their repertoire to, you know, more of the pop stuff and potentially the rap and R and B stuff. I think there's a huge, um, there's a huge profit potential there Yeah, in a way that I think that um, there isn't, with kind of focusing on the, uh, the alternative end. And is that just because of the saturation of that genre? I think that's part of it, but I also think that this is another one of those scenarios where, um, musicians are kind of navel gazing because mm. this is the stuff that they liked when they were that age. And they're kind of trying to, they're, they're playing the songs that they want to hear. And it appeals to a certain subsection of that population who may be very much like they are, yeah, but not necessarily represent the tastes of the uh, general population writ large. Well, and you know, if you think about target market, which is a part of the whole branding conversation, um, there's something you said, the Super Bowl halftime show made you feel seen, known, mm-hmm. heard, heard, understood. Yeah. Um, a great way to think about the question of target market is who, who could I speculate is not having that experience with cover Mm -hmm. bands? Who's not being heard, known, recognized, you know, their, their teenage experience is not being acknowledged, you know? Um, Yeah. And then serving that, you know, being the band Mm -hmm. that is, that is the one who reminds you of home. Uh, when nobody else is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think yep. it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really killer way into some really good branding decisions, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, um, in this week's video, I, I did call out a couple of groups. Uh, one of them is an Atlanta based group uh, who is doing nineties hip hop and R and B. Like that's the lane that they're mm-hmm. in called no diggity. Perfect. Perfect. And again, perfect. You hear that and you know exactly what it's it is. And you know exactly what they're going to be doing. Yep. And, uh, they're awesome and they're doing very well for themselves and because they are pretty much the only show in town that's doing it. Right. Um, Now I will say this, there was a group 10, 15 years ago that I think was like way ahead of the curve in our area. Uh, They were called wild peach. We did some shows with them back in the day and they were a lot of the musicians that were playing on um, the outcast records. (laughs) And so they were doing, this at that time it was it was a little more contemporary it wasn't quite so throwback because they were doing stuff that was you know being it, it was closer to being a top 40 group at that time but would now be considered like a throwback yeah. deal and they were playing like the outcast stuff and dmx and like awesome. all of this contemporary stuff yeah. and uh i mean their their shows were just legendary because i mean you you'd go there and and it would just it would just be a blast because mm-hmm. like everybody was dancing and the girls were like 
up front and it was just like it was a wild party yeah. every time they played it's so great. it's great and it is a it, it, it there's a huge there's a huge market out there and i again try and focus on what is going to get ladies to come to your shows right, right. right. do things that people can dance to yeah if you want a bunch if you want a bunch of bros in their mid 40s to just stand up front and like nod their heads there's plenty of songs that you can choose from to do that. But if you're trying to build a following and you want like your you want your live performances to be these events, these social uh necessities, then you need to make sure that you're focusing on those kinds of things. Right. And then to jump further ahead, you know, warped is is me seeing the writing on the wall and and going, all right, well, this is about this 90s thing is about to crest mm -hmm. like it's a it's hitting the apex like as we speak what is next on the horizon mm -hmm. and for me it's this this next set of of tunes in, in this particular era is starting to kind of build that that momentum right and being trying to be on the front end of something as opposed to trying to catch up yeah and you know if any just based on just the random opportunities that we've gotten, it seems like that, you know, that's the way to go. That's yeah. the thing to pursue. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. You, um, you end up working with energy drinks and yeah, who knows? <laughs> we'll just have to see. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of put that in people's ears. You know, I know a lot of the guys that are in conversation with us and asking questions have kind of already made these decisions, but I also know there's a lot of, you know, aspiring musicians and people who are trying to like get a foothold in their market or trying to find a way to kind of stand out. And so I think these are things that are, uh, they're not hard to do right. and they're, uh, they're, there's, there's a huge, there's huge potential out there for people who are trying to break through. Yeah. And if this is something that like you're interested in, or you want to have some additional information on, um, there are ways for us to help you do that either through coaching or joining the Patreon and asking, you know, a really tight, smart group of folks, uh, how they've been able to do things. And yeah, so I, th I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh, opportunities to learn things and to be successful doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it does take getting out of, you know, there, the, the, um, the navel gazy sort of, I'm going to play the stuff I like. You know, that, that, um, <laughs> we, we've probably said enough about people who feel like the seventies were the end of good music. Um, yep. there are going to be people who feel like the eighties are the end of good music. There'll be people who feel like the nineties mm -hmm. are the end of good music. There'll be people who feel like the two thousands are the end of good music, right? That kind of insular, um, attitude is just going to bump along with time, right? So yep. I, no matter when, when it is, <laughs> you, you, you want to start thinking about how to meet your audience where their nostalgia is rather than try to force them into liking yours. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Listen, if I made people listen to the stuff that I listened to in high school, I would be in like a dream theater, like <laughs> silver chair, gold finger tribute. I don't know. Wow. Like, who? yeah. All right. It, it, I was Listen, the late 90s were, you should look at those charts from like 97 through 2000, which is like, you know, my, my high school years. There was a lot of stuff out there and it was very 
wide. Yeah. As far as variety goes. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that's it. That's my diatribe over. I like it. If this is something that is interesting to you or you want to get some more information, email us, coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. I uh, had an email earlier uh, this week um, from another Adam. Can you believe it? All these Adams. But uh, they were asking about, uh, he, they were concerned that what they were doing was poaching venues. Oh. And well, he's like, well, I see when bands are playing and then I reach out to those venues and it feels like I'm being like, like that's wrong. I was like, well, it's, it's not. <laughs> I think we like, disposed of that one pretty quickly. No, that's how you do that. Yeah, no, it's, you're not poaching venues. You're not taking business away from people. No. You are looking at your marketplace being resourceful and, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's market research. Doing that's what that is. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, fear not. <laughs> you are not being unethical in any way. Yeah, you're good. And again, if you just need somebody to go, no, nah, man, you're cool. Shoot us an email. <laughs> happy, confidential, to, yeah, gmail.com. happy to do that. Hit us up on the DMs, all of the good things. So. Well, I, I'm going to say that the, uh, that CBD, uh, beverages during the podcast is, uh, is a good thing. All right. I'm feeling like lightly energized, but also like super even keeled. So sweet. I'm feeling good about it. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we're two episodes away from 200 episodes Boom. and, um, no closer to coming up with a special way of celebrating it. <laughs> We'll figure something out. We will. Don't you worry. Yeah, we got some ideas. Uh, we love y'all. Yeah. And uh, I think that this year is going to be our year. Just in general. We just got to wait for stuff to, to to warm back up. It was like, it was in the 60s today where I was. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, here too. Weird, weird weather, very humid. But, you know, I think we're just, we're about to round the corner and uh, things are going to, things are going to be all right. Yep. So, yep. All right, dudes and lady dudes, uh, have awesome weeks. And uh, if you want to support us, do all the stuff that our friend Adam's going to tell you about. And that'll be it for it. So from Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. From Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You listen to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for the week of February 18th, 2022. And that's how you rock more and suck less. Hey, listener, this is Adam Moskowitz of the Van Band out of South Florida. Yes, another Adam. Adams are taking over the cover band scene. Get used to it. Sorry, Dan. On behalf of Cover Band Confidential, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Now, I know you want to support this cast, so this is how you do it. You subscribe, you leave a five-star review, you share this episode with your musician friends, and you throw a screenshot on your story. And you go ahead and you follow the podcast on all their socials. You got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all of them. These gentlemen, Adam Johnson of Members Only and Dan Ray of the Clinky Lincolns, have graciously given us vast amounts of great content. So as a thank you, go ahead and send them some green energy on their Patreon page. For real, send them some digital coins. And when you do that, you'll get access to the Slack back channel, which is just musicians and band leaders chatting about the craft of being in a performing cover band. The wins, the losses, the behind the scenes goodness. If you play at least once a month for money, all I'm saying is break off a few bucks for your favorite podcast that you always listen to. 
any questions, comments, hit up the Facebook group, send a text or voicemail to their hotline. That's 404-491-0910. You can also email coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. If you'd like, you can find my band on Instagram, Facebook, at VAMBAND. That's V-A-M band. Do it. Seriously, I want to see that CBC bump. Or you can find everything you need at VAMBAND.com. We started in 2019. We play funk, pop, soul, R&B, Motown in Southeast Florida. I play guitar and backup vocals at Adam Moskowitz Music on IG. Also follow the CBC host on IG. That's at Adam Patrick Johnson and at Dan Ray Musician. Or visit CoverBandConfidential.com for all the goods. I'm going to go ahead and call it for Adam Moskowitz in Boca Raton, Florida. That was your outro bumper on Cover Band Confidential. Always be performing! Thank you.